Hey, welcome to Church Alive's podcast. We hope this message is something fresh, real, and powerful for your life. Thanks for joining in and enjoy the message. Who knows what would have happened to me? How many concussions or whatever? So, I needed some money in, when I was in high school, and the AV team, they would give you the opportunity to go and work at a, at a football game, and they'd pay you like 20 bucks or something like that. So, can we put that picture up that we got there? So, I did this, that thing. This is how bad I am. I had to Google this this week when I was writing this message. I literally Googled orange stick on a sideline at a football game because I had no idea what it was even called, but I did it. I was probably that guy right there, that kind of like whatever thing. So these show you where a down is, and it shows you 10 yards. It's two sticks with a chain between it. It's not rocket science. I messed it up somehow. Both coaches come out on the field screaming at me. The refs were yelling at me, and I'm like, I don't know what happened. It's 10 yards. I don't know. So that's, that's where I'm coming from <laughs> when I say I'm athletically challenged. I can't even put a 10-yard chain straight. I don't really know what happened there. <laughs> I told, look at that guy on the phone. I didn't even have a cell phone when this happened. I just dated myself. So what I do know is that today is a very important day in football. And I do know that the people that are on these teams, if you've ever, where's that football at? Sejun, my man, thank you. So, <laughs> anyone who has ever cared when they held a football, which I can't say I have, but anyone who's ever picked this thing up, it's your dream, is this afternoon. It's, what you, it's, it's the ultimate, it's the culmination of trying to make this thing get into the end zone. So everybody that's on those teams, whether they've been to the Super Bowl or not, they have dreamed of this moment for a very, very long time. They have worked for this moment for a very, very long time. They have done endless plays in rehearsal or in practice. They have memorized things. They have put so much into the moment to try to get this thing to win the Super Bowl. Now, can you imagine what it feels like when you first get out on that field? What's that young quarterback's name? I don't know. Not Brady, the other guy. The young guy, what? There, that guy. Okay, so this is, his <laughs> this is his first Super Bowl. I know that. And I know this is Brady's like 10th or whatever, so who cares? Patriots. I'm trying to impress you with my knowledge. I looked up a lot of stuff for this message. Okay? Work with me on this. But, so this young guy, this is his first Super Bowl. Now imagine you get out on the field. You have been working. You've been training, and you're out there, and you know you're going against somebody who's been doing it just a, a tad longer than you. So now you get out there with your team. Now imagine it's his first shot, and they're going to be going down to try to score a touchdown. And it's him. He's leading his team. Start doing your plays. You just start doing what you know to do, even though you're probably pretty nervous, and then you get a first down. Okay. <laughs> Something's working. <laughs> we're getting, we're going, we're going. Then you get another one. And now all of a sudden you're going, wait a minute. We're doing it. We're getting down. We're getting closer and closer. And some drives, it might be easier. Some drives, you might get like a first down on a 12-yard pass or something. But others, it might take you four tries to just get those 10 yards. But imagine you're going down, and you're going down. Can you imagine? You have, your life has been building up to this professionally, and now all of a sudden, you're 20 yards away from where you want to be. As you're going down the field, your team's feeling it, Right? Because, I mean, think about it. You're working with a guy who is leading you down to score your first, touch ball, uh, touch <laughs> your first touchdown at the Super Bowl. Get it out, Steve. So, you're working with your team. 
They're driving down. And now, as you're going down, as you're advancing down the field, you're expanding your vision, because now all of a sudden you're seeing, oh, I, I kind of see how the other team is starting to do stuff. I, maybe I'm noticing how the other team has their play set up, or maybe I notice how they try to trick me and how they try to go one way and then I go to the other way. I'm starting to read stuff a little bit differently, and I'm getting pumped. I'm on this team, and we're winning, and we're going. And I was thinking about what was going on today, and I was thinking about the Super That was really eager. Excellent catch. Excellent job. You'd be great in the Super Bowl. And as I was thinking about today, I was, I was, as I was thinking about the Super Bowl, I realized that isn't our faith walk just like this? Isn't it just like this? We come, how so? We come out, it says in Ecclesiastes 3.1, it says that for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. You see, the reality is that in this thing called faith and in this walk that we have with Jesus while we're on earth, it's kind of like we're making plays. It's kind of like we're going in and out of different seasons. And sometimes things might be easier, things, sometimes things might be harder, but we are always moving towards the touchdown. We are always moving down the field with our team. Yeah. Now imagine, you come out, maybe you haven't been a Christian very long and you pray for something and then God answers that prayer. That's your first down. And then all of a sudden you're getting amped and now you've got other people around you in your transform groups and you're going down the field. And each time you're going down the field, you're starting to read things a little bit differently. Yeah. Our walk is so similar to this. One thing I've learned though, and I've been a Christian 18 years of my life so far, but one thing I've noticed is that for me, my first down has to actually be the same thing each and every time. I have to run the same play each and every single time I am coming in. You see, the thing is, it doesn't matter what kind of season I'm coming out of. It doesn't matter what kind of season I'm going into. It doesn't matter what I see. It doesn't matter what I think is going on. It doesn't matter what anybody says to me. It matters the God that I serve. And as I'm going down this field, I am growing in confidence. But I noticed, I noticed, I noticed, I noticed this. When I try to do stuff by myself and I don't invite God into the mix, it's a real problem. And it's not that I don't do things well, it's not that I don't do things excellently, but it's because I need God to be there behind me. I need God to partner with me with what I'm doing. And it is going to be such an incredible thing. So I wanna encourage you this morning that each and every single time you're at a first down, it always has to be to realign your heart with Jesus. It doesn't matter how long you've known him. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you're going. It doesn't matter how old you are, what culture you're from, what continent you grew up on. It doesn't matter what people have said to you, good and bad. This is what we have to do every day. Yeah, yeah. But in every season, every time we get, boom, a first down, we have to realign our heart with Jesus each and every time. Yeah. Say that with me, each and every time. Each and every time. Good job. Each and every time. You see, it is so crucial that this happens. And you know what? It is actually no secret that God wants your heart. Yeah. If you look at the Bible, if you look at the Bible from cover to cover, what you see is an amazing story where the God of the universe made us and then relentlessly pursued us so that he could bring us back to him. Yeah. It is a story where God has given us free choice and free will to do with it what we please, and it is the ultimate thing when we actually give it back to him and say, I'm yours. It would make sense then that a God who is defined by love would be very, very concerned with what's going on in your heart. 
it would make sense that that actually is what he wants to see from us. And I really believe that if we make this first and forefront in what we do, we are going to see a greater dimension to our faith. We are going to see a greater dimension to what we do at church. We're going to see a greater change in our family, in our friendships, at our jobs. It permeates into every area of your life. We know that Jesus is concerned with our hearts for many different reasons. But one scripture that, when I was thinking about today, stood out to me was in Revelation chapter 2. So we're at the very end of the Bible, and Jesus now is speaking to seven different churches. He's speaking prophetically, but what he does is he's actually teaching us some spiritual principles by speaking directly to these churches. Now what he says to the church of Ephesus, he says, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my namesake, and you have not grown weary. Hold the phone. We're having a good conversation right now, aren't we? Imagine you're sitting down at your boss, and he's going to give you a review. And he says, yeah, you know, your sales numbers are great. I mean, you know, we're looking at this, and quite honestly, you're doing like the best in your region. Um, You're outperforming every other metric that we have. We're looking at you, and we're just amazed. You're on time and everything like that. And then we see in verse 4, but... Well, that changes everything right now. It was going really good. Might not be going well. Imagine that. Your boss is like, yeah, you're doing so well. But we actually have a real problem. Well, your stomach just dropped. Men, men, you could be having a great day. You could be thinking you did everything good, and all of a sudden, your lady's going to come up to you and go, we have to talk. (laughs) That's this moment right now. You men that get that, you're lucky. Mine doesn't even ask. She just starts talking. I love my wife very much, and it's always my fault. Moving on. So he says, that's wisdom. That's wisdom, I'm telling you. Relationship series coming up. (laughs) Jesus says this. Jesus just told this church, he said, you guys, for all intents and purposes, you're rocking. I see the good that you're doing. Verse 4, but I have this against you you've abandoned the love that you had at first. God is terribly concerned with what's going on in your heart. Your heart drives your motives. Your heart drives your language. Your heart drives how you see people. Your heart drives how you see yourself. God needs it to be his. He is extremely concerned because he says, I know you can do good stuff. I need you to do it with me. That's what's going on in this scripture. God wants to be first in your lives in everything that you do. Why? He wants to set you up for success. He wants you to dominate. And I have to believe that the God of the universe might know a little bit better than me and might think that's a good idea. So good. So good. He wants us to dominate. We dominate when we have God in our hearts. It's because we see things a little differently. So there's three things that I want to share with you this morning. Three reasons why we dominate when we've given our hearts to God on every first down that we have in our life. Reason number one. It's our inspiration. It's our inspiration. You know, we just started our Freedom Transform group. We kicked it off last week. Yeah, I got some people in here. And it's so good. And it's so good. We're seeing people get unstuck. And one of the things that in the curriculum that we're doing, it talks about is, well, how do I love him? To be quite honest with you, it might be hard, if, especially if maybe you're a guy in here, to say, what does it mean to love Jesus? You know what I mean? And the problem is that our culture and our society has very severely distorted what love really means. 
we have a very strange opinion of what love means. And actually, the Bible says that not only does God love you, God himself is love. So what that means is that he's the metric I have to hold every relationship that I have up to. He is what I have to see through in order to see how to love people the right way. I can't love them the way I thought it was when I was raised, and I had a great loving home. But I have to understand what this love of God is, because if I can see people through that lens, see myself through that lens, I'm going to do stuff differently. And so he says, we love him when we, one, remember who he is, and you'll love Jesus if you remember what he has done. Two things. If you can get his identity right, because maybe you don't see him quite right. We love him when we see him for who he is. But then more importantly, like Pastor Anthony encouraged us during communion, and it was so fitting for this, remember what he's done. He's made you a friend. He's purchased you. He has paid for everything you could ever do wrong. That is the lens that we look at when we say we love Jesus. When we realign our hearts with God, we actually start seeing things the way he does, people included. Now, I've not always been the best at this. I've not always been the most loving person. There was once we were in the mall, and this was pre-Agnes and pre-me, you know. So just go with me on this a little bit. Don't be judging me. There's this lady walking around the mall with a mutt, chihuahua, that was like missing hair. And they both looked like they were strung out on something. So I saw this woman, and I was like, oh my gosh, hon. Imagine, I don't want to go anywhere near that. God thought that was funny. So, half hour later, I swear, we get on the escalator, and these two get on the escalator behind me. And I look at her, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's the woman I said something about. She starts squatting down on the escalator, and I'm like, I don't know what's happening. She's like, she's like going like this, and I'm like, I'm like, do you need help? You know, like, are you going to pass out? She goes, I'm dizzy. Hold the dog! I got this mangy little mutt shaking in my arm. Like, you know those little dogs, they shake and stuff and spit? And I'm holding this thing and I'm looking at my wife and she's like, uh huh. Watch what you say. I learned my lesson. It was so funny <laughs> to hold that thing shaking. Anyway, God loves her just as much as he loves me. God looked at everything she's ever done wrong and thought it was worth dying for just as much as he did for me, just as much as he did for you. You see, loving people isn't a suggestion. There's a couple different scriptures about it that I'd like to share. First John 4, 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. John 13, 34, Jesus said this, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. It's a pretty high metric, isn't it? One thing that we looked at in our group this week was this scripture in John 14, 15. Jesus said this, and I have to admit, I've looked at this scripture before, And I've read it like this. If you love me, you'll do what I say. How many people have ever gotten that tone if you've ever read the scripture? It kind of feels like that, right? If you love me, you're just going to do what I tell you to do. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying, if you love me, you'll just wind up doing what I do anyway. 
you start seeing how I am. You start putting some of that identity on you. You start doing what I do. And if he just said in John 13, this commandment I give to you is to love people, and then he says, if you love me, you'll do what I command. You see the circle? You can't get out of it. It's a circle, no matter what you do. Gotta love people. If you're not laughing, you might not love people that much. The second thing, when we get our hearts right, when we give Jesus our hearts on every first down, the second thing that it does for us is it's our compass. So it's got to be my inspiration because if I don't get what I'm, the why behind what I'm doing, what am I doing? Yeah. But then but once I get the why of what I'm doing, I've got to figure out, well, where am I going with it? It is our compass. God's love helps keep us in the right direction. And a life of faith follows God and is aware of where he's going. It says in John 3, 8, Jesus said the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who was born of the Spirit. What this means, it doesn't mean that as a Christian I wake up and I go, Lord, where are we going today? Oh, I'm in Belleville. What am I going to do here? <laughs> That's as practical as I can make it. But what it means is that when God has my heart, I hear kind of what he's saying to me. I see things through scripture. I see things based on what other people have said to me. And maybe I start just getting stuff on my heart. Have you ever thought about doing something nice for somebody? Probably wasn't the devil. God moves on our hearts. And it's so important because when we're in tune with him, we quite simply know in certain situations what to do. We know in certain situations what to handle. We know in certain situations where we have to steer people. God brings things to our remembrance in situations when we need it. But he does it when he's got our whole heart. Now this last one, I get so excited about this one. Oh my goodness. You excited? I got one more. It's good, I'm promising you. When God has our heart, it allows us to dominate because number three this morning, it's our power. It's our power. God, it's, God's love isn't just some nice feeling when you're having a bad day. It's not just something you go to because you need a recharge so you're not a jerk to your family. God's love is something that is very real and very powerful. Now I want to paint a picture. So the first couple of things that happened, Jesus was born. We don't know an awful lot about his early life. But we do know that when he came into public ministry, the first thing that happened was he got baptized. The baptism of Jesus by John the Baptist, and he had the Holy Spirit come down upon him like a dove. It's not a bird. Just wanted to let that know. But came down on him. The second thing, it says, the Gospels say that right after that, Jesus was driven into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted by the devil. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear the word temptation, for me, it kind of means that I have to persevere through something. It kind of means that Oh, I got to really put on my game face. I really got to get strong, right? It almost has the connotation that I could come out of it maybe bumped and bruised a little bit or something like that, right? Now, let me paint the picture here. Jesus is in the wilderness. He's fasted for 40 days. He is physically weak. He's had no food and no water. You want to know what, this, what this, that whole temptation of Jesus did? It didn't set up the situation where to see if Jesus needed to earn the right to be the Son of God. It, what, you don't read in Scripture where it says, And the Lord testeth him to determine his merit to be the Savior of the world. The temptation of Jesus revealed two things. 
it revealed two things. The first thing it revealed was that the devil is a tempter, an accuser, a liar, and a loser. And I mean it. A loser in every sense of the term. And the other thing it revealed was that Jesus wins. He always wins. He doesn't lose. So when we look at it like this, the temptation of Jesus wasn't trying to find out if he could push his way through it. It was for him to show who he is. It's who he is. That is why. And I love this because he's, I'm on the winning team. You know what that means for me? I never was. When I was in school, I was that kid. I was that last kid. The captains would be like, I don't want Steve. You take him. And I'd be standing there like my crush is over here. And I'm like, please, guys, just want you take me. I can't do this. This was my life. You know how good it feels to be on a team where I know I am never going to lose. Never. Ever. 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 That moment in history was a blatant setup by God for success. How many hard times in your life have been a setup for you to win? It hasn't been a moment for the devil to beat you because he can't. He can't. That's so good. Maybe you're here today and you feel like you're defeated. You're not. Get your first down. We are on a team where we are guaranteed first downs and the touchdown, period. And I don't care. It might be hard. I'm not saying it's rosy and easy. I'm not saying that it's not going to take four passes to get your first down. I'm not saying it's going to hurt, not going to hurt. I'm not saying that. Oh, but what I'm saying is that God loves you. And you're on a winning team. And when you get your heart right with him, you start to flow not out of what's happened to you, but out of who you are in God. That's why he needs your heart. Just as much as Jesus just operated out of who he was, it wasn't an option to lose because God doesn't. He wants to put his image on you. He needs his hand on your heart because in every situation you stand there and all of a sudden you start looking, God. You start looking at every situation as a winner, as a victor. We're not of people that shrink back, but we go forward. Colossians 2.15. Man, this verse just makes me want to throw stuff. Come on, right? You're like one game right at the touchdown. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities, and he put them to open shame. <laughs> he made them look dumb. They thought they won. Disarmed. You know what I see when I read this scripture? I imagine Jesus just busting into a room and just smacking people around and taking all their guns. It's awesome. But he didn't just take away the things that could kill me physically. He took away all the stuff that could turn me into spiritually. He beat it. He nailed it to a cross, disarmed it, and he triumphed over them. started out and you thought it was a relationship series video. No. But that video betrayed something at the end there that I thought was just so powerful and kind of lined up with where I'm coming from this morning. That video showed that in the midst of some incredible difficulties in a roller coaster, two parents, two new parents who were absolutely devastated and destroyed. Did you hear what he said? Catch this. He said, 
know what you're fighting? You're fighting a peewee football game in front of you. You know when they have helmets that are as big as half their body and they're just running around and they're a mess? The stuff that tries to come against you, it has no power, it has no ownership. Put on the love of God and see how you see your situations. I guarantee you it's going to be a lot different. Don't say no. You might feel bound up. You might feel wrapped up in stuff. Emotion, upbringing, things that have happened in your life have all added up. But the power of God and the love of God is so strong that you can look at your hand. Boom! Every chain. Look where my chains are now. You know what I do during that song? At the floor. Because they're not on me. And that's not where they belong.
Thank you. If you want to hear more empowering messages and learn more about Church Alive, make sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at churchalive.tv. We hope to see you this weekend. Have a great week.